The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, we have our friend Jerry Callahan with us. He is the host of the Callahan Show, which is available on Newsmax, and uh, it's a podcast. You can check it out also on Rumble. He's a sports guy, a politics guy. He's a man of many hats, of many, of many helmets, as the case may be. Jerry, great to have you, sir. Buck, sir, what's happening? You know, things, things, are, things are pretty good, man. I mean, is this... Bring, bring up your speed on this. Is this kind of a downtime in the sports cycle other than, I guess, Wimbledon, right? There's Is there still the baseball happening? Oh, I don't follow this stuff very closely. I, You know what? I gave up on baseball because uh, I was in Boston. Uh, I am in Boston, and I hate the Boston Red Sox. I don't like the ownership. So they. Uh, I used to live for the Boston Red Sox, and now I'm done. I'm done, and it's just – it's yeah, it used to be every night, three hours a night, so I'm done with that. I do football. I do golf. I watch golf. I love the the majors. I love football. So it is somewhat of a slow time, but it'll be football season soon enough. What happened to the Red Sox? Like for me, as an outsider, doesn't really pay much attention to professional sports. I thought, aren't they one of the one of like the great franchises? And you know, in in Billy Bean was offered the huge contract there and the big short. So I saw that. Uh, did they did they just kind of 
take a turn for the they, worse? Uh, what happened? Put it this way. There is no franchise in professional sports that will outwoke the Boston Red Sox. They had the, I don't know if really? you're aware of this, Buck. They had the biggest, longest uh, Black Lives Matter sign. It's like a record. 285 feet long. And they were very proud of that. And they went super woke with the, with everything. With the, the, they, had, they had drag queens thrown out the first pitch before the Dodgers did. And uh, they did not like things I used to say on the radio. They, now, that is that, Jerry, to be fair, that is not surprising. <laughs> no, that woke. No, they, they're probably not loving they, how you how you uh, think of the sports world, I would think. They were they were happy. In fact, they were uh, they were involved in getting us off the air a couple of years ago. So I have no interest in watching the Boston Red Sox. I just, you know, I hope to finish last. Do you think so? Uh, you know, the the. A conversation that's come up uh, quite a bit recently is now there is an understanding in some of corporate America, like the Bud Light effect, which I know you've been following, know all about, everyone's been watching this, uh, that if you go to woke, there is a legitimate and sustained backlash that can happen uh, from the right. You know, we've known for a long time that the lefties will lose their minds and they'll uh, and they'll actually create the perception of a boycott when there really isn't a boycott, right? They'll just freak the sponsors out and they go, oh, you better do this or else we're going to ruin your business. And it's just tweet bots and nonsense. Um, but is that now transferring to sports? And I, I ask because pretty recently they had the uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence Pride Month stuff out in uh, with the Dodgers. Are, are From the people you talk to in the sports world, are, are the franchises a little more like, ooh, maybe we don't want to have men who are transvestites pretending to be nuns and mocking the Catholic church and then trying to sell, you know, baseball jerseys at a hundred dollars a pop. Like, is, is that set, starting to settle in? Yes. I think the pendulum is swinging. I think there's a few examples. I, I could not believe what the Dodgers did. They disinvited them and then reinvited them and actually put them on the field. It was in front of an empty stadium, but I think there was real backlash there, just like with the hockey players. You know, a few NHL players didn't want to wear the ribbon, didn't want to wear the rainbow shirt or put the rainbow tape on their stick. And the people who supported them are the real hardcore fans. See, the ones, the real wokesters, they're not big hockey fans. There might be a few, but for the most part, the fans applauded the players who pushed back on that. And what did the teams do or the league do? It announced they weren't going to do it anymore. They weren't going to force the players to wear the ribbon. Uh, one baseball team didn't celebrate Pride Month, Texas Rangers, and I promise you that the fans appreciated that, that they got some support on that. I do think there's real pushback. I think the Bud Light thing is a seminal moment, a real pivotal moment. I keep a list in my drawer of uh, people who've been canceled, just as it gets longer every day for the last few years. I mean, I'm on there, but, uh, you know, everyone from, you know, Aunt Jemima to, uh, Dr. Seuss to the banjo player of uh, Mumford and Sons. It's all one way. You know, there are no cancellations the other way. Everyone, cancel culture goes one way. This Bud Light felt like just, it was so refreshing because we had never really accomplished anything from, from our perspective. You know, we just generally roll over and say, yeah, oh, that's the way it is. People took action and it's re- they stopped drinking the most popular beer in America. Now it's not in the mo- now it's not in the top ten, and you know why they did that? Not just because they did a stupid ad with or a whatever a campaign with um, uh, Dylan Mulvaney. They 
insulted their drink, their, their customers, their best customers. You saw the VP there, that, that woman from Harvard, Heider Schneid. She said, oh, we wanted to get away from that frat boy culture. And I'm sitting there going, wait a second. That's your, that's your customer base. You want to get away from the people who drink your, I mean, I have good friends who drink, who drank a lot of Bud Light, too much Bud Light. She was talking about them. And you know what? It was really easy for them to just say, give me a Coors, give me a Miller, Miller, give me a whatever, Sam Adams. It was a really thing, really easy thing to, to, to boycott. And that's why they're paying. And it's, there's no end to it. People have moved on. They're done with Bud Light. And I'm just wondering, are, are, do you, are you a beer drinker, Jerry? Yes, and I was a Bud Light drinker. I'm I was going to say, man, can, can you? The- so I actually cannot drink beer because I have, I have celiac disease. Um, but uh, and they make gluten-free beer, but it's, you know, it's not worth, it's, it's just not very good generally. I mean, cider, I can go cider if I feel feeling oh, yeah. fancy, which, which is quite delicious. Although it does have, if you have like a really good thing of cider and you find out that, you know, a pint of cider, it's like more sugar per ounce than coca-cola it's it's pure sugar (laughs) it's not uh, a lot of carbs yeah a lot of carbs in that one but can you tell the difference honestly uh you know clay and i on the radio show talk about this sometimes like between bud light miller light cores is there really a taste difference honestly i i i don't see it feel it i i could switch easily it wasn't i just you know what you bought bud light out of habit it's just i used to buy it because that's what other people wanted i could i can't really tell the difference i like Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, I'll drink anything. But I have friends. My best friend used to drink, I don't know, 12, 13, 15 Bud Lights a day. He's boycotting too, but it hurts him. He, he misses it, you know. He tries all different kinds of beers. He said, I really miss Bud Light. But he's he's not going to drink it. You know why? It's not just a personal choice, but people don't want to be seen drinking it. You know, you don't want to order it in a bar. You don't want to be on, you know, at a party and be holding a Bud Light. People just look at you funny. So I think it's the most effective boycott I've ever seen from our perspective. And it's never going to, it's just not going to end. But I'm no, ask I you, can't tell the difference. I'm going to ask you about what's going on with the, as you see it, the uh, various primaries. Very curious to get your take on the state of politics right now, Jerry, but First up, uh, just a word from our sponsor here, Legacy Research. There's an economist by the name of Nomi Prince who's got something important to say, something to share with all of us. It's a warning. In her research, a small group of financial elites are plotting a drastic action unlike anything we've seen since 1971, more than 50 years ago. The White House is involved. The World Economic Forum is involved. Even Bill Gates is involved. According to Nomi's research, your ability to spend, borrow, save, and invest could soon be restricted with the push of a button. Our financial system is about to be transformed in a way that would have been unthinkable just a few years ago, and it could start this month. If you've got any money in a U.S. bank account or retirement plan, get all the facts at disappearingdollar.com. You want to be prepared with information on this. The website is disappearingdollar.com. Again, that's disappearingdollar.com, paid for by Rogue Economics. Um, All right, Jerry, so... First off, uh, are, are do you endorse? Are you an endorsing the primary guy, or do you sit on the side and just sort of commentate? Where where are you on the Republican side of things? I tell you, here's here's what I am, Buck. I am a one issue voter. I just want to win. I just want to win. I just want to defeat Biden. I want to roll back this insane Biden agenda. There's just so much damage he's done in the last two years. I can't imagine giving him another four years. Whoever can beat him is my guy. I will support whoever the nominee is. 
And if it's if, if their nominee is Gavin Newsom or someone else, I will definitely support the Republican. I was a DeSantis guy for a while, but obviously he's fading and it doesn't look good right now. I just do, thought he had a better chance to win. Why, why is he fading, Jerry? Like, what, what, what do you think has happened there? I mean, the numbers show he's fading, but why? what's going on there? Well, I, I think a couple things. I think Alvin Bragg and Jack Smith gave uh, Trump a real boost. I think a lot of Trump's support is people looking for vengeance. And I respect that. You know, they want to right the great wrongs of, you know, Russia hoax and these two phony impeachments. And they feel like, you know, Trump is the revenge candidate. I just, I was, I was practical about it. DeSantis is 32 years younger and he can do two terms. And as soon as he were not, if he were nominated that day, they would be running around in circles in MSNBC and CNN and ABC and New York Times because all the things they've been living for would be off the table. You'd no longer have any of the scales. You no longer have Stormy Daniels or, or uh, classified documents or E. Jean Carroll or, or any of the impeachment stuff. It'd just be off the table and they wouldn't know what to do. I guess they would talk about Disney, but that plays, I think, to DeSantis' strength. So I just thought he was better for, you know, better for the general election, but now it looks like he's not going to be the guy. Trump's going to be the guy. I think I feel I don't feel as good about winning the general with Trump because they're never going to stop coming. I mean, he might have to win it from prison. It's going to be they're going to be that relentless in trying to put him away. But I just want to win. That's all, Buck. Just want to win. I mean, I I that amen to that. I I definitely want to see a stop to the Biden policies across the board. Um, tell me though, the have you been following the RFK Jr. stuff? I think that's been. That's been a really big surprise because it's not just that he's making a bunch of noise on the Democrat side. You have, I know a lot of, I know a lot of Trump voters. I mean, I'll just tell you, do you have this too on, on your show? I have Trump yes. voters who write in who say JFK Jr. should be Trump's VP uh, every day now, right, every which, day. Which is silly, but it's a fascinating dynamic. I heard you guys talking about this yesterday, the other day, uh, Mitt Romney versus RFK Jr. All right. Ten years ago, Buck, I really wanted Mitt Romney to be president or whatever that was, seven, eight. 2012, uh, yeah. And I, really, and I really hated RFK Jr. Here's how weird things are. And this is something I talk about all the time is I'd say 10, 12 years ago, there was people I just couldn't stand. And it would be Bill Maher, Russell Brand, RFK Jr. I couldn't stand these guys. Now I find myself rooting for them and respecting them. Things have just been flipped upside down. I would, I, I, I'm not sure I would like run to the polls and vote for him, but I think I would support RFK Jr. over Romney, even though I agree with Romney on abortion, on a few other you know, social issues. I think an RFK Jr. is a little bit too much of a climate nut for me, but I feel the genuineness, you know, the authenticity from RFK Jr. You don't feel that from every guy. I don't feel like he's he's got an agenda behind. I don't think he's taking bribes from Ukraine. I don't think he's doing the bidding of big farmer or big whatever. He just feels like a real person with, with and, and I don't agree with him on everything, but I feel like his intentions are genuine, are good. And that is refreshing. I don't feel like he's, you know, BSing me. When he's talking, and are, are you? Um, so many. I mean, you're you're a Boston guy, so that means you're also a Massachusetts guy. Is is the, you know, 
I mean, Teddy Kennedy was such a mess. It's really amazing the guy was the the lion of the Senate or whatever they call them for as long as they did and and the whole thing. But is the Kennedy name still? You know, does it does it command a lot of power still in Massachusetts? Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot of loyalty. Oh, I mean, well, you know, Ed Markey, he could be the dumbest man in the Senate. Uh, he beat uh, Joe Kennedy, Joe, Joe, Joe the third. Uh, so I don't think it has any magic to it anymore. Oh, I forgot about that. That right. was the super. Was that the young, the the very young guy, red, right? That the Kennedy, the, the redhead. Yeah, the redhead guy. Yeah, the redhead. Right. He was in Congress, and I thought he thought he was good. And people like him too. He's not a. I don't think he's a drunk or a drug addict or anything. Uh, but I think that part of the appeal to me with RFK Jr. is half his family's against him. You know, they're, they, they're made it clear. They don't support him. They're not going to vote for him. He's not your typical Kennedy. It's, he's smarter than that. He's had a hell of a life. And they all have. I mean, just go back and look at his biography sometime. I mean, the guy was, the guy did heroin. You know? <laughs> the guy was arrested. He, he, he divorced his second wife. And I think she killed herself like three days later. I mean, he's just had one of those tragic Kennedy lives but look at him now. He's in great shape. He's obviously doing, you know, push-ups and 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 he's and he's um, and he's kind of contrarian. You know, one thing you could count on Kennedy's at least in the last whatever 30, 40 years, they all felt this, said the same way, voted the same way. It was yeah. very predictable. He's different, man. He is. He's. It's uh, funny, right? Because because he, he in a sense. He's the the truly the quintessential Democrat establishment is Kennedy. I mean, you could say now oh, the Obama name, right? Or the Obamas are quintessential Democrat. But but the Kennedys have been in the game a lot longer and stretching back a lot longer. Right. So in the one sense, he is Democrat royalty. But to your point, he's also running as a uh, something of a political iconoclast. You know, he's a, he's a little bit of um, he, yes, he's a little bit. Of, he's a contrarian. Uh, to what the Democrat here's, Party here's, wants on some of this stuff. Here's what I think is going to happen, Buck. He's going to get some big endorsements. These kind of these rogues out there, like Joe Rogan and, and Russell Brand and Bill Maher. I think they're kicking the tires. They're obviously those guys aren't going to endorse Trump, and they're not going to endorse Biden. But that's going to be a hell of a boost. If you think about it, if Joe Rogan says I'm with RFK Jr. or or Bill Maher. That's going to help. And I don't think he's going to win the nominee, but he's going to make life a little bit difficult. And for, for Biden, who can't, won't be able to just stay in the basement. And I think there's three, there's three issues that he's uh, going against the grain on, and they're huge. It's the war in Ukraine. Most Democrats, they want to escalate it. They're all set. Let's go to World War III. Even, even you know, AOC and Liz Warren, they're all in on this war. Uh, it's censorship. He's the He's the candidate, the anti-censorship candidate. He's the guy that has been censored. He is named in that uh, in that uh, Missouri v. Um, Biden. Missouri v. Biden came out on July fourth. He's specifically named as somebody the Biden administration was censoring. And the third thing is the border. He's a Democrat who wants to close the border. Those are three big issues. If you were ever in a debate just on those alone with Biden or Biden surrogates or Gavin Newsom. He would stand out, and I think he'd win a lot of support. We're going to come back and talk to Jerry here in a second about. I, I have some Boston questions, Jerry. I'm a New Yorker. I don't know much about. I've only a true true story. I've been to Boston once in my life, which is crazy. Wow! But really, I, I went to college in Massachusetts, and I I've been to Boston right. one time. 
So, uh, so we, I, I have a question for you about, about how things are going in that city and, and maybe some, uh, some lessons for other parts of the country. We'll get to that in a second, but my friends, uh, look at the situation right now with the markets, with the economy. It just all feels very uncertain. Inflation is still high. It's not as high as it was year over year, but it's still high. And this market could take a turn for the worse really fast. Well, what can you do to diversify, to prepare gold? Gold is good. It's solid. And it has value over time. In fact, history proves the value of gold. Having gold bars, gold coins in a place that's safe, that's in your control, is an empowering sensation. And the Oxford Gold Group makes this easy to accomplish. The value and stability of gold as both an investment and a hedge against inflation has been proven time and time again. So I've been a client of the Oxford Gold Group for years. I suggest you do the same. Call is free, and the people on the other side are knowledgeable and trustworthy on this call. 833-430-BUCK. That's 833-430-BUCK. Or you can go online to OxfordGoldGroup.com slash buck. That's OxfordGoldGroup.com slash B-U-C-K. Jerry, how is Boston doing? I talk about cities uh, on radio all the time based on the massive deterioration or you know rapid deterioration we've seen san francisco portland new york chicago baltimore st louis i mean the crime the disorder washington dc i don't hear about boston very much do you guys have a soros prosecutor do you have do you have crazy homelessness all over the streets like what's going on up there in uh you know in new england's premier city we had such a corrupt uh, soros prosecutor she became the u.s attorney rachel rollins and she was forced to resign by Democrats, she was so corrupt. But we do not have, I mean, we have homeless, obviously, we have a homeless encampment they're trying to get rid of, but it is nothing compared to Seattle or San Francisco. I'm always jealous, I see like Jason Rands or uh, or Michael Schellenberger, they're always on TV talking about how their city has fallen apart. And I go, well, you know, I should be glad because we don't have that level of crime, uh, the, the murders they have in Philadelphia or whatever, uh, but, it might be coming. I don't know. We had very minimal damage during the BLM riots, which was good. I was happy about that. It's my neighborhood. But I kept bracing for it and waiting for it. And it never quite made it. Uh, it they, they, they broke some windows. But it, we, have, we, have, we do not have those kind of problems. So we have some like, crazy problems. I'm interested in this. What, why is that? In Democrat city, every, every other Democrat enclave city that I can point to and think of pretty much, right. trying to think if I'm missing any, has gotten substantially worse during BLM and has bought into this stop enforcing the law nonsense. Certainly New York, Philly, D.C., you know, Atlanta, Houston, Chicago, San Fran, Portland, L.A., St. Louis, as I mentioned, Baltimore, even places like Birmingham, Alabama, have really high crime rates. Right. right. Um, why is Boston, you know, look, it's a good thing, as you point out, is it just. The, the tradition of the city is less violent and less less chaos. Like, I'm just wondering how you guys escape all this because you got libs running the show know. over there. I know we do. We have a we have a Liz Warren protege as a mayor, Jen, uh, Wu, Michelle Wu. We have Ayanna Presley could be the craziest member of the uh, squad. We have Liz Warren, Ed Markey. We have terrible, terrible politicians. I think we have good cops. I mean, I think they did their job during the BLM riots. Uh, I don't think there was that much anti-cop violence um other than that maybe it's more balkanized maybe there's people in the no own neighborhoods and they and they don't kind of cross that line and go destroy other neighborhoods 
Uh, I don't know. It was there were some marches and protests. There was a police car that was burned one night, but uh, it was nothing compared to those other places. Are you born and raised Boston, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, I've been outnumbered my whole life. I went to UMass right near you there up there before you. But oh I was wait, you went to Amherst UMass. I went to UMass. I think I drove past Amherst College one day, but we weren't allowed to like like. We had to avert our eyes. We weren't allowed to go in there with the, ah. you know, with the beautiful people. But uh, so uh, you, yeah, you, you, UMass, you I went to Massachusetts you, public schools and I got out alive. And uh, I've, I've been outnumbered my whole life. People ask me why I don't move. It's a good question, but uh, I guess it'd be given up. You know, I, you don't I, have because because you don't have the whole like you know Ka Harvard Yard. You know what is that? Where where is this? You, you don't sound that Bostonian I, to me. It's there. I don't know. It's I, I'm pretty Bostonian. I live in the city now. I lived in the suburbs for, for years, but I'm in the city walking around um, the city, riding my do, bike. Do you have, even the within the city, like I, I always tell people this in about New York, because they'll say that they'll say that I don't sound like I'm from New York. And I'm like, well, I'm from Manhattan and Manhattan sounds different than Staten Island, which sounds a little different than sort of Brooklyn and heading out to Long Island. And that's where you get, a, you know, a little more of like the, you know, talk, talk like this, you know, they start certain phrases and things in some of the boroughs is just very regionalized. Is that true? And like is is I don't know Boston that well, but is is Southie uh, its own accent compared to other parts or, you know, I, I don't think I mean, I think it used to be it used to be very separate you know you had your separate neighborhoods my parents both grew up in the city and you know you had white neighborhood black neighborhood irish italian Italians were in the north end the irish were in southie uh you know uh, black dorchester mattapan it used to be that way i don't think it is so much anymore much of it's been gentrified there's a lot of good neighborhoods that used to be not so great so uh, like southie used to be just this working class city yeah now it's like and now it's yuppies right this is what i've been told southie is yuppies yeah. It's, you know, $2 million condos. And then there's a whole new neighborhood called newish called the seaport, which is real high end. So I don't know. It's, it's come a long way. Yeah. I don't think I, I, don't I have think, a good uh, friend that I worked with. Bought, at the, I at this, your gang members still rolling yeah. around. I, I had a good friend. I work at the CIA and he, he told me he was him and his wife were closing on like a house, a house on the South side or whatever. And I was like, yeah, Southie tough guy. He was like, no, it's, it's consultants and bankers now. <laughs> I said, yes. "Oh, okay. Yes. Things have changed yes. in Boston from the See, I just know it all from the movies, from uh, you know, from like The Departed. So I am learning well, the new town, stuff. The town, the town's my neighborhood. That's when uh, and it's a great movie too, but it's true. You look around, you say, "Oh, that's where Whitey did this or the Bulger Gang did that," but it's it's not like that anymore. There's not even any any remnants of it. Look, you should be happy. I got to say it's it's kind of an unspoken story that uh, you know, it just doesn't get any attention that Boston is a is a sizable Democrat city that seems to be doing seems to be doing well. So actually, I don't want to tell people about this because I like to you know rail <laughs> on how horrible all the Democrat run cities are, including my hometown of New York, which went was super dangerous '90s, then got super safe, amazing, and crazy expensive, and now is crazy expensive but way less safe. And you know, going down in the uh, other direction, we'll get. I, let's talk movies actually because a lot of people are going to be listening to this over the weekend. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Mr. Jerry Callahan, come back, ask you a movie question, put you on the hot seat. You, you um, can ask so me about Sound of Freedom. I'm, I'm going gonna, well, I'm, I'm to ask you, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I can ask you about that one too. But first, I got to tell everybody about shaving. Look at this, you got two clean shaves, although I got I to gotta tighten this up over here. But you got Jerry's a clean shaven man, one blade, my friends. 
Okay, if you want the best shape, I just gave one of these to my father-in-law. He loves it. You know, I'm trying to sweet talk the father-in-law a little bit, you know, get him to like the stuff uh, that I that I give him. So I gave him one of these. One blade razors are the absolute best. First of all, they just they feel better. They look cooler. They've got much better design. You put one blade in it. That's why it's called one blade, because all that multiple blade stuff is garbage. You don't need four blades. Think about that. What That makes no sense. You use four scissors to cut something? No, you just want one good pair of scissors. One good blade. It's all you need for a the cleanest, comfortable, uh, most comfortable shave you'll ever get. It goes right up against the skin. It's amazing. Your face will feel so smooth afterwards. One blade's handle, like I showed you, it's metal. It's not plastic. This isn't some crap made in some foreign country that nobody cares about. All right, go get yourself a one blade today. You'll get 20% off your one blade order. When you go to onebladeshave.com slash buck. Again, here it is. One blade shave. Type out O-N-E, onebladeshave.com slash buck. You'll get 20% off your first order. This is the razor I've got. This is what I use. Like I said, gave it to my father-in-law. I'm going to get one for my dad too, although he uses, I think he uses an electric sometimes, which I got to get him on the one blade train. So, Jerry, the, the hot seat I was going to put you on was going to be... Actually, I'll still put you on it, and then I can ask you the sound of freedom. What is the best sports movie of all time and why? That would be Remember the Titans. You, you want like a top five, top ten list? I'll give you that. But Remember the Titans is the best... Uh, Remember I'm, the I'm, Titans I'm, is I'm, the uh, best sports movie of all the time. The best sports movie of all time. I think Denzel Washington just did an amazing job as a coach. Herman Boone, a real coach from Alexandria, Virginia. It's it's just so good, so intense. It's obviously about race. I, I see. I would argue race. Denzel Washington is one of the five best actors of my generation. Uh, I, I put him would up there agree with, you know, with you, Buxton. Yeah, I put him up there with like Daniel Day Lewis, and you know, in that he's he's phenomenal. Um, and I think his body, I think his body of work, both from a popular acclaim as well as sort of artistry, um, would support that kind of designation. So you go remember the Titans. That's interesting for me. I have always loved Major League, which is a very different, you know, far less, uh, far less wholesome movie. But I like Major League a lot. So um, I like Major League, but I'm a sucker for those emotional. I, I love uh, Miracle on Ice or Miracle. It's called Miracle. I love Hoosiers. It's kind of corny, but I love it. I'm a sucker for it. That would be, and I love any football movie. Friday Night Lights is great. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm into those kind of things, especially football movies. Uh, I like The Fighter, Mickey Ward, a friend of mine. And, That's a uh, great I there, movie. I was there through much of that. That's a great movie. You Did you know those guys a little bit? Yeah, I, my, I was covering Mickey Ward throughout his career, his early career. I got some stories to tell you but for another time. About how, how, how well did they do that movie, though? With Christian Bale, by the way, I think is also would be up there with me with uh, Denzel in terms of one of the greatest actors can of I a generation. Buck, can I just tell you, that is one of the greatest acting performances in the history of, of movies, I know Dickie Eklund. It was perfect. It was phenomenal. I, Christian Bale, I don't know what kind of guy he is, but he is a phenomenal actor. I went to the premiere in Lowell, and Dickie was hanging with with, uh, with Christian Bale, and it was amazing. I mean, he just captured him perfectly. And uh, I, I, I talked to uh, um, Mark Wahlberg on the air one time about this. He said everybody wanted that role because they knew they could you know, do things with it, including uh, Matt Damon. I mean, Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, they wanted that role. They wanted to be uh, Dickie Eklund. Mark obviously settled for Mickey Ward, and he did a great job, but they knew there was just so much more to be done with the Dickie Eklund character, and he was great. He was phenomenal. 
Yeah, I, I, and it was true. I mean, that was very accurate. Very you, accurate. You know what I found amazing about that movie? One of my, one of my, uh, if I have to have a like, Rocky is a great movie for what it is. No question about it. It's yes. a great story with Stallone, but I mean, it's not a boxing match, right? I mean, it, you know, if that was actually how boxing was, you'd be dead in the first. I mean, it gets worse when you get onto Rocky Four, where they're just throwing right. haymakers and just crushing each other over and over. It's like that's not. The way they show at least one of those um, boxing matches, I forget why I knew that this was. Somebody told me, "Oh no, it's that's actually how he did it when he did sort of the head body head combination and played, you know, rope a dope a little bit with the guy." And that's actually yeah. what he did to win the match. I mean, to win that bout, like right. he actually took a lot of punishment and then just sort of hit him with a kidney shot, and that was it. Like it was very realistic in the movie. He was like you know, a Rocky character where you just kept thinking he's done. He's, he's staggered, but he was so he is so incredibly tough. And he was a great technical fighter, but he could take a punch. And I'm not sure that's a good thing now that he's, you know, in his 50s. Uh, but he would blow you away. You'd sit there and you'd go, okay, he's done. He had those three phenomenal fights he got, uh, against Arturo Gatti. He lost two of them. And it was like every time you'd say, oh, he's going to go down. And he just would never go down. He was a real-life Rocky character, and it was something to see. And I think the movie doesn't even get into much of his career, but uh, it was real accurate. I mean, he had to overcome a lot of crazy stuff around him, including his crazy brother, trainer, Dickie Eklund. Uh, and you mentioned Sound of Freedom. I haven't seen it yet. I actually have a screener of it, and I'm planning to watch it this weekend. So a lot of people like me will hopefully be watching it, you know, over the course of the next few days. Have you seen it? And what do you think? I saw it. It's phenomenal. I honest to God did a whole show about this yesterday, Buck. I I went to this I went to the cinema for the first time since COVID and it was weird there was no people there it's all self serve kiosks <laughs> but I go in and I was expecting some allusion in this movie to Hollywood or elitists in DC and DC and and LA there's none of that you were going to watch this and you were going to say what in the hell are these people in the mainstream media these lefties at, at Rolling Stone and the Guardian and this clown at CNN, Michael Rothschild, what are they talking about? There is nothing like that. But they talk about QAnon. The movie was made before QAnon was even a thing. And even if it weren't, you're going to wonder, what does it have to do with QAnon? What does it have to do with conspiracy theories or right-wing anything? I understand Caviezel's a, a, a religious guy, a Christian, and uh, Mel Gibson promoted the movie. But it's a phenomenal movie about a real problem, child sex trafficking, and about a real American hero. You're going to walk away from this like I did and say, why didn't I know about Tim Ballard? Why don't we all know about him? He rescued over 120 kids from bondage, kids who were living a life of hell, sex slaves. He saves these people. They put the, make the movie. Disney owned the movie, by the way, and passed on it, took a pass. So it ends up being made by Angels. And it's great. And it's inspiring. It's dark. It's disturbing. Obviously, the subject matter is really intense. But in the end, you're just blown away. And I don't understand how anybody, I really don't, anybody could have a problem with it. They are making this stuff up about QAnon or, 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 or uh, right-wing conspiracy stuff. Uh, Rolling Stone said it's for dads with brain worms. What? I mean, these people are nuts. They're absolutely nuts. You're going to see it. You're going to like it. And you're going to be baffled like I was as to why they have a problem with it. Jerry Callahan, everybody. Jerry, where can folks go to subscribe to your show and uh, and keep uh, up to date with your latest work? 
They can go to anywhere you get your podcast, Buck. Uh, there, are, It is posted on Newsmax. I, you can see my Friday show, today's show, on, uh, or this weekend's show on Rumble. Just go to Newsmax TV, Rumble, and it'll be there, the video. But you can listen anywhere, anytime, anywhere you get your podcasts. Sounds good. Jerry Callahan, everybody. Jerry, thanks so much. Thanks, Buck. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.